Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to another Red Jacks on podcast with your host, Rick. Me, Charlie. Me, Fraser. And me, Sirhan. Oh, yeah. And we are... Bro, that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> 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 it still sounds weird after you say our names, but then there's no... Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. We need to find a small jingle, like you know, a red Jackson. No, we need red to find Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> we can make something. We can make something sure. <laughs> All right, guys. So I thought this week we'll do something a little bit different than our usual gaming kind of stuff, and I wanted to do a little bit of an appreciation podcast for a very prominent director, one of my favorite directors of all time. Okay. Quentin Tarantino. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. I love Tarantino movies. He's one of my favorite directors by far. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys. How, how, do, you, how do you feel about Tarantino movies? Because we don't overly talk too much about his work in general. Not that I can remember anyway. I don't remember us having any kind of talks about his stuff or him in general. His films are incredible, aren't they? They're they're very. They've got a lot of tropes <laughs> to them. They've got um, a certain style. You know, the moment you're watching a Quentin Tarantino movie, um, I am hit and miss with him though. I, I've I've watched a few Tar- um, uh, Quentin Tarantino films that are kind of like not my cup of tea. I'll be honest, Pulp Fiction's one that I weren't particularly keen on, and a lot of people were, but. I don't know. I think that's just a personal thing. Uh, a lot of people are going to hate me for not liking Pulp Fiction. I didn't hate Pulp Fiction. I just kind of like, tell me if someone's to say like, oh, do you watch Pulp, Pulp, Pulp Fiction? I'll be like, yeah. They'll be like, what's it about? I can't fucking tell you. I'll be honest. <laughs> it's Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. It's one of them films. But yeah, what about you guys? Yeah, he's got a very unique film list. And like you said, like mainly from the cinematography of it all, you could tell it's a Quentin Tarantino film. Um. Mm. Kill Bill, one of my favorites. Great film. Great that film. That series. Like mm-hmm. it he, he has a way of melding that kind of action thriller style and still having like quite a, a deep and twisted storyline mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. it all. Cause that's the thing, like you can have an action film and you could just be in it for the action. Uh but it's the underlying it's the underlying story that makes the action for me. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. me in my in my old age now. <laughs> no, I I agree. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with everyone. Like I love Quentin Tarantino. I think I I'm not gonna say grew up with him. I wasn't really exposed to his films, but my family's really into him, so it was always like something I kept hearing about. So I kind of like watched the films on the back of their enjoyment because for my like mums, dads, aunties and uncles, when these films dropped at their time, they were in their twenties and thirties. It was their prime time. It was their big deals, you know? So I think like on the back of that, I really enjoy it. But I think like you guys from what served my generation more was like everything from like Kill Bill was probably my first real exposure to him. Loved it. Um, Cause I even remember that one of my, one of my great uncles, but he's, he's a massive film buff. Like he's that guy at home. He's got the projector, the screen, the speakers, like he goes in mm-hmm. and he got like a specific, like limited edition kill bill from another country where in the Western version, it goes black and white when it's really bloodied. 
And in his version, it's pure color. So you just see this blood fucking splashing. Everywhere. Oh, that's it. It was really cool. Yeah. But I think the exposure that really made me more into a fan was, was always be uh, Django. Like Django Unchained yeah. for me is just, I can rewatch that film over and over again. And I just, it doesn't tire me out at all. So um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of things I can say, but I really like him. Fair. Yeah. I, mean, really like I kind him. of agree with all of you. Like, he's got a very sort of, specific style it's kind of hard to label exactly what that style is but when you watch it and you're seeing it on screen it's it's very clear that it, this is a tarantino movie it's got a very kind of overly stylized a lot of violence kind of you know it's just it has a very specific kind of way of directing and shooting his movies and um i don't think there's many people that direct their movies in the same kind of way. Maybe a few, like Robert Rodriguez is another one, if you know any of his work. He's um, another great actor, director, sorry. But um, yeah, there's not many movies that are shot in a Tarantino style. And I think that's kind of what sets him apart from a lot of other filmmakers. He has mm-hmm. a, a very unique vision for his movies. You know, he um, um he directed the, the Muppets, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> he did. That's definitely a Tarantino film, yeah. <laughs> what? He's got a, he's got a oh no, it says them. Kirk Thatcher was the director. Oh. I don't know why it's on his... Why the, he must have maybe appeared or something. Lies. Did he write it? I don't know, his I name's on it and he's, it. he's in the cast. Maybe he was in it. Maybe he was in it. He might have like done a... Who is Quentin Tarantino in the Muppets? Uh, in the Muppets return, Tarantino appears as a version of himself pitching Kermit on his vision of, for a Muppets yeah. Wizard of Oz, which of course is filled with excessive violence. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds dope. <laughs> so <laughs> really cool. No, that's mad. Who would have thought? Kermit Unchained. He's got. A, yeah, he's got a habit <laughs> of doing that, right? Just appearing in his own work. Yeah, who would pay to see Kermit okay. Unchained? <laughs> <laughs> right okay so tarantino just to give a bit of context to tarantino so before he became this huge personality that we all know him to be and this insanely creative director um did you know so that he worked in a video store when he was 22 called video archives which was in california worked there for about 200 dollars a week while he was working there because he was a huge huge film nerd he sold two screenplays while working at the video store called True Romance in 1993 and Natural Born Killers in 1994. And I think that was kind of what started the funding for him to start his very first film, where he was the debut director of Reservoir Dogs in 1992. Whoa, what a film to kick off with. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs. Fucking yeah. amazing film. Amazing yeah. film. He, I'm, I'm guessing we've all seen it then. I have, yep. Yeah. yeah, what do you think? What I, I mean, think of Reservoir Dogs. Oh. Yeah, if you can remember, I know it's a, I know it's a, it's a, it's a while ago now. Been a long time. That's been a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's I fun. think. Yeah, I think it kind of sets the staple or the benchmark of his films because it's very rare for any any person any field to start off something to have a banger, you know, a number one hit or whatever. And then kind of be consistent. And I think that's what I like about Tarantino. It's, it's, you know, I know it's 
preferences. It's almost like an artist making an album and it's like, I'm going to prefer some songs to others. And I do have that with him. And I've not watched all of his films, but to start off with something like Res, I didn't know Reservoir Dogs was his first. You know, I was just, you know, by the time I was born, it was like Star Wars. It's like, it's there, it's high ranking. So that was a wild ride in, in of itself. But I think I look at it more as a big picture of like, damn, man, like you didn't just absorb and copy and paste what was around you, even in, in a film store. You really had the knack to create your own um, because it's it, you know, his work speaks for itself, man. If I didn't know Reservoir Dogs was the first, so fucking kudos. It was banned mm. in the UK for, I think, three years, four years, I think. Really? Well, the UK was, I think yeah. it got re-released in 95 or 96 or something. Wow. That must have I, I think that's true. Boosted it though. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, wonder. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the success of the films are usually judged on their those first opening week or weekend. But maybe yeah. it ended up opening having two weekend, of those. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, one maybe. in America, one in the UK. Yeah. I mean, he would have been a new, unheard of, unheard director. Maybe it became more. I don't know what it was at the time in the nineties. Maybe it became more of a mm. cult classic. Some films pick up more traction later on, or they drop another one or two films and you're like, oh my God, like didn't realize he made a banger. Maybe, I don't know what the stats were for Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, so I wonder what he made in that time. Like he he must have done some more films during those three years. Pulp Fiction. I think Pulp Fiction was 94, wasn't it? Yeah. 94 94 was Pulp Fiction, yeah. Hmm. But um, 92, so just to give you a bit more context, this was his, his first actual film directing. So... The budget for this movie was so, so low, they had to cut so many corners to try and make things fit, right? Oh. I think one of the main things I remember about this film, I think this was the first film I watched that was a Tarantino movie. And I don't remember too much of it at the time because it was like same kind of era, 90s, like you know, everyone else around me was watching it. But I remember that one talks, scene right? with... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, but I remember that one scene where they were playing... Um, Stuck in the middle with you, and that, Spoilers. that song was playing. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers for all his films. Yeah, I mean, it's nineteen ninety two. I'm sure everyone has seen this this film by now. Yeah. If you haven't, then um, spoilers. Pause, pause the podcast. Go watch the film and then come back. But yeah, the budget for this movie was so low, they were cutting corners constantly. In fact, I think Tarantino blew the entire budget for the soundtrack. On that one song, um, stuck in the middle with you, and he wow. was fine with it. He was fine with having that one song for the entire track, but for the entire movie. But then it was they added more music later because the producers struck a deal with like the label and everything, and they got more music into it. But initially, he was happy to mm. blow the entire budget on having one song for that the one entire song. movie, and that would have been insane. That's mad, isn't it? <laughs> crazy artistic uh, choice to make. Yeah. Yeah, but clearly a good. I mean, one. I don't think it was yeah. like an artistic choice. I think it was just more like, uh, maybe maybe it was an artistic choice. It must he, been, either it he's must a genius been. or he's really bad with maths. <laughs> really bad with money. <laughs> like also, or he also thought he came in budget... installments or something. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, budget for the movie again was being so low that the cast, like all the, you know, Mister Black, Mister White, Mister Pink, and everyone. They all brought in their own wardrobe to the movie, and that would show what they wore on set. There was no like designer stuff that they had. It, it, everything was their own clothes that they brought in and they were filming on, which was kind of crazy. 
that's uh, that's mad. not too much. Yeah, and there's some big names in it as well. I mean, I don't, were they big names at the time? <clears throat> that's what I was trying to. Look I don't think they would have been. I mean, mm. a few of them. Uh, Harvey Keitel, I think, would have been the biggest name at the time, probably. Not even Buscemi. Um, like, he must have been in some or stuff. Steve, before. Yeah. Or Steve, yeah. And Tim Roth was in it as well. Who else was in it? Let's have a look. Tarantino well, was in it. I guess he Tar- Tarantino was in it, yeah. Mad though, isn't it? Like, when you think these careers probably kicked off from this film. A lot of careers probably yeah. kicked off from it. Yeah. Remember the, the, the beginning, the, the very him. opening scene? Mm-hmm. When they were they're all in the diner talking at the table about um Madonna's Like a Virgin song. Yeah. And Tarantino sat there at the table and he's like, you know, it's it's about this about her wanting dick the whole time. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, no, it's not about that, it's about this or whatever. So when the movie was actually released, Madonna, who was the main topic of conversation in that opening, she really liked the film but refuted Tarantino's interpretation of her song Like a Virgin. She gave him a copy of her erotica album and signed it to Quentin. It's not about dick, it's about love. Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> Hardcore. That is awesome. I wonder how much that's worth. Oh, man, he, millions he, he does that, right? Because I think it's in, in Pulp Fiction when he's the fixer, like the fixer guy and uh, like he would sit there and be like, no, this, 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 this film wasn't about this. It was about this theory or this. Like he just really, he doesn't even slyly put his opinion. He's like, his character will literally voice his opinion to be like, no, this video, this song was about this, this, and this. I remember him having that same sort of, uh, I don't want to call outburst, but just this like black and white, this is how it is. This is what it's about. And I'm telling you, I can't remember what it was though. What was his opinion? It was about someone being gay or something. Or reinterpreting something musical. I remember him being Pulp Fiction. Maybe it was another film that he was in. But I remember him sort of like really being brash about like, no, this is what this meant. No, maybe I I'm, maybe a lot of his films I haven't watched for for too much. It's been too long. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was in Pulp Fiction. Tarantino was in Pulp Fiction, but only for a very small piece of the movie. And I don't remember him talking yeah. about anything like that. So maybe it's something else. Mm-hmm. It must but, be like an amazing feeling to be able to direct and and sort of star in your own film. Like not star, yeah. but even just to be in it for a little bit. Yeah. He does that a lot, right? And mm. um, I, I actually checked why he does that. And he said he, 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 does, he does it just because he can. And he's fun. That's he, he, fun, isn't just it? Just because he yeah. can. Yeah. Which, yeah. I, I love that about it. Like, you know, if it's your own movie, you, you're going to make it doing what you want to do. If you want to be in the movie, be in the movie. He's even admitted, like, he knows he's not a particularly good actor and he's not good enough to, like, play big roles. But he's happy to, like, just fuck around with minor roles and just add to the movie just because he wants to. Which I yeah, love. Why not? I think that's it. Yeah, exactly, why not? yeah. Add your personal touch. Yeah, even more for personal, and time. it's always nice seeing him like cameo in his own movies for a little bit, even if it is like a few minutes. Um, my right, movie long segued into Pulp Fiction in 1994. Woo! Now, I wrote down, Do I need to say anything about this masterpiece? But obviously, Charlie disagrees. No, so look, I want to kind of like so 
I do clear I your name. hate the film and I did enjoy it. And there's so many moments in it. Got to got like make sure no one like harasses me after this. Um, Cause I know Pulp Fiction is like this cult classic and stuff, but personally it's just one of them films that I watched and I was like, there's a lot of cool moments in it, but as far as the story goes, it weren't my cup of tea. And I'll be honest, a lot of Tarantino's films are like that. I really enjoy them. And it's like one of them films, like he always makes them films that you want to go and talk to your mates about because there's like some massive plot twist or something crazy just happens at the end. And Pulp Fiction was one of them, man. When when it when they got down in the basement and got butt raped, <laughs> for me, I was like, okay, this is my this is my point where I'm like, okay, I'm very confused and I'm not sure if I'm enjoying it. I'm gonna finish it, but I'm very fucking confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I haven't watched it since I was like. 15 16 so I might well might be worth watching it again as an adult and getting it a bit better yeah. i've i feel like pulp fiction and i do kind of get where charlie's coming from because i think i was too young when i first watched i've watched it maybe twice or three times but when i first watched it i was like okay i i've enjoyed it because it looks different and i enjoyed the stylization of the theme but i'm like i don't get it i didn't get it so much it felt like you know how like this like technically like three acts of a film it felt like i was watching the second act but i didn't know what the first act was yeah i didn't know what the third act was i didn't know where it began i didn't know where it was going it was like a chunk in these people's lives and i don't know if this makes a difference but i first watched this film by kind of unplanned with my mum like it came on tv and i was like Mate, I, I honestly was sitting there. I think it came on whatever. T- it was a preview channel, and I was like, "Oh, mum, like Pulp Fiction." Heard so much about this. She's like, "Yeah, let's watch it." And we both sat there like, "What the fuck is happening? Like, what the fuck That's is going great on?" Film to watch with your mum. Yeah, mate, it yeah, was mate, watching that with my mum and watching Scarface with my sister. I think was the worst mistakes I've ever made. It was just like <laughs> I just feel so fucking. Wow. Awful. But um, no, watching it again, like. For example, I never knew Bruce Willis was in it. When I saw Bruce Willis in the film, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, it was such a strange combo because I always, you always connected to John Travolta, Samuel Jackson as like the poster guys for that film. And obviously with a bit of Uma Thurman and that that's it. And I listened to the album and stuff, but I didn't know, for example, and correct me if I'm wrong, that was, wasn't this Samuel Jackson's like breakout role? Mm. Uh, uh, Oh, no, wasn't his brain. He was already an That's established him, actor by this point, but he wasn't the I level know. that he is now. Maybe. I'm I'm like, I know he's a thing. Oh, no, Jurassic Park 93. So, yeah, but Jurassic Park before, was, so was uh, it was ex- it was exposure, but it wasn't like a leading role, sort of man. Like, I really feel like this, if I remember correctly, he in interviews like Samuel Jackson saying. Tarantino gave me a chance because he broke out in his 40s. He broke mm. out later in life rather than in his 20s and 30s. I think this did give him more of a a higher rank, a higher caliber of, of an actor. Mm. Um, it, it definitely added to Sam Jackson's stock, for sure. This was a, a big movie and he was amazing in it. Yeah. Amazing. Tony mentioned about, about Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah, go on. Apparently, Bruce Willis at the time in America, he'd released a couple of movies that kind of tanked a little bit. Mm-hmm. So everyone was kind of like half writing Bruce Willis off when mm-hmm. Tarantino came to him with the, with the idea for the role and he snatched it up. And 
it, it restored everyone's faith in Bruce Willis it. again after this film got released. Is this before or after Die Hard? I'm guessing before. After. I think it's, it's... Die Hard after. came out in eight. Die Hard came out in eighty-eight. Oh damn! Eight, and people losing faith in Bruce Willis six. after Die Hard. Although he did have Die Hard two, three, and they weren't. Great, it was pretty cool. I like Die Hard too. Yeah, but it's, it's, I think Die Hard between Die Hard and this, because this film came out in 94. So if if Die Hard came out in 88 and then 94 was this, it's saying that Armageddon, uh, uh, what's the film's name? I mean, we're, we're, we're thinking of these big names of the films that have gone global, right? At the time, this was all the films that were being just shown in America. Yeah. So all the films that he had done locally, we, we, we would have been American-made films that didn't get worldwide access. So we don't know the big ones that tanked. No, we but won't. We won't. Because after this, that he had like the Sixth Sense, the Fifth Element. Mm. So it kind of shows that. Film that was. Yeah, all of them. Mm-hmm. We could do literally one pick. Do you know with Bruce Willis? So just a small little trivia. So he started off. Me and my mom sat and watched this on YouTube. Really amazing, fun little show, like a comedy romance of him in Moonlighting. Uh, quite famously, that's kind of where he kind of started off. It's like an American mm-hmm. TV show of like it, he's like proper comedy actor, and he, he does it so well because we see very little of him. And when he got kind of hired for Die Hard, everyone was like, "What?" Like the skinny comedy guy because at that stage in the 80s it was very arnie and, and and stallone and it was like this sort of guy anyway that kind of broke him out and that's what it did into the but to jump to the other end mm. do you know that bruce willis unfortunately has like retired now he's had he's got um i don't know yeah, if it's alzheimer's. alzheimer's or something yeah, yeah like he's a g- degenerative disorder yeah 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 his family had to kind of like release a statement saying he can he can't he can't work anymore he's he's mm. mentally he like can't do much but himself and he was still in one more film did you have you seen it it's, i think it's literally just come out no and they they basically like i i don't I, I won't i don't know all the details around it but like essentially he was contracted into doing it despite the fact he couldn't remember the lines and shit like it was yeah it was really it was really rough oh man he was he, he's, he's a staple actor man all respect mm. for you yeah and he also uses um jumping back to pop fiction he also does use a lot of the same cast like he will elaborate and build up on it but like everything from tim roth harvey Keitel, like uh, who else mm. is in there like well obviously himself uma thurman like he does get me again yeah 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 he, he keeps that core cast and it is just really amazing when you think about what he does with them from someone like uma thurman and pop fiction to kill bill two very different characters mm-hmm yeah. Mm. Any of you fucking pricks move, and I'll kill every motherfucking one of you. Don't. Yeah, I didn't realize for the longest time. You know, um, we went to Portugal, right? And I can't remember what song it was, but there was a song that was playing that became like one of our Portugal staple tracks, and it was yeah. called "Yolanda Be Cool" by <laughs> something. It took me that I didn't realize for years. Yolanda Be Cool is obviously Honey Bunny in Pulp Fiction. It was like Yolanda mm-hmm, Be Cool. Mm-hmm. Tell that bitch. Tell that bitch to fucking chill. That's Yolanda Be Cool. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know it that. Dawn on me. For uh, long time. That. That's really cool. Yeah. A bit of it's personal so good, history and trivia. Like, dude, this film has it, it literally it's taken over. It, it's in so much pop culture. It's everywhere. 
you know, it's like Mia Wallace's posters or Pulp Fiction, or like the little memes of yeah. Uh, yeah. Vincent and Jules with the guns out. Like, you know, Daft Punk have got like a little version of them with the guns out. Yeah. It's, um, this film is just... Um, it got a community reference. It was like they had the whole episode in community mm-hmm. where everyone like for Arbor's birthday. Yeah. I mean, it's actually yeah. like it's kind of integrated into a lot of TV and movie because it, it changed a lot of, especially like the cinematics and the shots that he uses. Granted, he's kind of repeated his own ones a lot, but like the classic, the most classic one that I can think of is when the boot opens and it's the shot from yeah. inside the boot. That <laughs> is such an iconic shot yeah. of Tarantino and it's been used in so many different mm-hmm. films and medias and stuff just because it's such an easy shot, but it's like, a really fucking good one it's such a, a simple idea but it's such a good shot and tarantino just yeah he came up with it. like that mm. oh definitely his his style i mean even the whole like john travolta like what's in the briefcase <laughs> sort of thing opening with the golden light that's been like quoted so many times um the, the scene with the needle in the heart which they actually recorded backwards so he pulls it out and then they go fast forward it like it's just <laughs> that's what i mean in the sense of I can enjoy the film, but I would have loved to have seen what that film meant to co- the pop culture at the time. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't just about it being a good story, a good film. It redefined a lot of different categories. I mean, the soundtrack alone is just amazing. Like, I listen to the soundtrack more than I've watched the film, hands mm-hmm. down. Yeah, I think the thing about Pulp Fiction, which makes it like a divided... It, it, people have divided opinions of it. It's it's like one of those first films to do the whole like multiple storylines are kind of going on at the same time and weaving mm. into each other. And you know, as a first step into that, it's it, it holds its own. But then, obviously, down the line, more films have done it and probably leaned more into the comedy side of it to make to keep people's attention. I think so. It's like, yeah. Um, like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. I don't don't know if you guys watched that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar kind of thing, you know. Other other directors have taken up, given it a go. So yeah, as as one of the first, it definitely defined a genre there, or defined a style. Yeah. And obviously, like, um, no, no, go on, go on, go on. To say that he started off one of the first movie universes. Every one of his movies is a, is a thin thread of connection because in this one, I can't remember which character it is, but um, like the, the the Vega brothers, you know, Vincent Vega's in this one and the Vega other guy is in um, Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Um, mm. Like that, it's the fact that even he had that sort of foresight to kind of be like, I'm going to connect these motherfuckers. These are my books. These are my stories and my films. And that's just, in of itself so cool in my opinion yeah. without mm. being a direct sequel yeah yeah it's part of like being so much of your genius face. of tarantino like he's, mm. he's he's confirmed that there is a connecting theme throughout majority of his movies so i'm going back from reservoir dogs all the way up to his latest film in once upon a time in hollywood Great they're film. all somewhat relatively linked yeah. in some kind of way I and think I think if you just like pay attention to it a little bit, you see a lot of overlapping things in different movies that you feel like a certain line of dialogue or like a little action that they do, but the, everything is very, very slightly linked in some kind of way. But it is mm. it is really cool to see. So a bit of bit of facts and trivia for this. The movie cost eight million to make, 
The initial budget was reportedly even lower until Bruce Willis was added to the cast because he had recently had a string of domestic flops but was still a box a box office champ overseas, which is why we know him to be mm-hmm. the tier Bruce Willis. But in America, it was he was kind of flopping a little bit. Um, mm, so once Bruce Willis was added weird. to the cast, um, the budget went up by an extra couple mil. But then when it went on to to box office weekend, it grossed over two hundred million for a budget <laughs> of 11, 10, 11. Nice. It made nice. two hundred wow. million. That's nearly as much as Quantumania. That's That's crazy. (laughs) That is crazy. That's actually mad. And this was one of the first films to be advertised using the internet as well. So the internet would have just started to become a thing then, so it would have made things a bit more accessible, which maybe was why it grossed a lot more than they might have thought. Um, Uma Thurman originally turned down the role of Mia Wallace but Tarantino was so desperate to have her as Mia, he ended up reading the script to her over the phone and convincing her, which is kind of insane. Wow. That is wild. Sorry, That's reading insane. that script convinced her. I would have been sat on the other end I of the mean, phone like, yeah, look, uh, Quentin, that sounds great, but I don't understand what the fuck is going on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably I mean, like, I'm not exactly going to stop calling you and I'm not going to stop reading this script until you say <laughs> yes. So <laughs> she probably yeah, just gave it. <laughs> I mean, that is insane. Can you imagine anyone like turning down a role? I mean, maybe at the time it makes more sense, but like looking back, anyone would have been insanely lucky to get a role in this film, man. The word fuck is used 265 times in this movie. I think I've heard that fact before. (laughs) Yeah. That's fucking crazy. How many of them is Samuel Jackson? Twice a minute. Twice a minute. (laughs) I think I think was uh, 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 Samuel Jackson would be like more like motherfucker. They would have it would yeah. be the coupling. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. What you fucking say, motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah, it literally would be like, but it, he sounds so fucking good, man. Ah, mm-hmm. yeah. oh. Jackson, iconic. what a legend. Ad break. Don't go. No, I don't want an ad break. No. Welcome back to another Ill Intent podcast, ladies and gents, your number one source of fun facts and irrelevant bullshit. That's right. And this week you're all in for a treat as we have another great episode for you folks. That we do, phrase. But just before we get into it, I'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors today over at Gillette. But an even bigger shout out to this week's special guest, Quinton Tarantino. Oh, wow. Um, hi, guys. Thank you, everyone, for such a warm welcome. And thank you, guys, for having me. Uh, great work on the Gillette sponsorship. Those things cut real nice. Yes, they do. The closest shave a man can get. I use Gillette products almost every day, and I can promise you that my skin always feels soft and smooth. I'm, I'm so, so sorry to cut you off, but when you say a close shave, exactly how close are we talking here? Um, well... <laughs> Classic Tarantino, am I right, everybody? But seriously, thank you so much for being here today. Um, we understand that you're an extremely busy guy. So tell us, what's it like being one of Hollywood's most talented individuals? Uh, the camera, I'll 
left side with the uh, with the camera on the north position, and the Venus in retrograde. Uh, Gillette slicing, 60 degree angle should do it. Can get a nice blood spray on the eastern wall, but then we need a couple of cranes and um, a tracking. Quentin, dolly. mate, are you all good? Oh, oh, um, I'm I'm sorry, I got distracted there with the Gillette. Um, don't mind me, please, please do carry on. <laughs> um, okay. So, we've been hearing rumours that you plan to retire after your next movie? Oof, I hope it's not true. That would be a dark, dark day for mm. Hollywood indeed. A dark Hollywood? Set in a noir 70s style? The Gillette slasher? He's on the hunt once more. We open on Hollywood Boulevard, shrouded in darkness. A crowd form on the street, a body laid bare and bloodied. The police have no clues. Secret service are under threat. We must protect the First Lady. The nation is at its very knees. What will we do next? How will we survive? Um, Quinton? I knew this was going to happen. All I wanted to ask him was to just explain Pulp Fiction. I've got it! I'm, 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 I'm so sorry, guys. I have to go while it's still in my mind and make a few calls. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, good luck and God bless with everything. Uh, may Tarantino like the way. Okay, bye-bye. We'll see you later. Is he serious? He can't be serious. We've been at this for over four hours now. What the hell was that about? Uh, mate, listen, I've not missed a meal for 18 years until today, and I'm about to kill somebody. He could have literally filmed that. He could have literally filmed that. Well, I guess that's the episode then. Um, thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one, I guess. Worst episode ever. What a joke. Okay, well, we're back from the advert. <laughs> back from the advert. Right. Where are we on the list? 97 now. We get into Jackie Brown. This was a, this that, was another great film. Maybe hold on. Jackie Brown. We, we, we skipped one. No. Pulp Fiction was Dust till dawn. Dust till dawn. Yeah. That's worth a mention. That's Robert Rodriguez. No. It says uh, no, it's, Quentin it's Tarantino here. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's in it. He didn't direct it. There's um. I'm sure it's Robert Rodriguez. No, it? no, it is Robert Rodriguez who directed it. But yeah, no, I actually... It's I think written it's, by oh. Quentin. It is written by him. Oh, yeah. it's written okay. by him, but not directed by him. I mean, that is him. also another great film, to be fair, from Dust Till Dawn. This is the thing, right? I like Dust Till Dawn, <clears> but this is, a, this is kind of the example I was saying. The film is actually kind of shit the whole way through until the end the end is the bit you talk about but the rest of it is fucking boring and like fight me on it all you want but you watch that film again there isn't much good cinematography there isn't much good dialogue there isn't much good anything acting nothing until the end and then you're like oh well that was fucking insane no one saw that coming you know it's a really this is these are the sides of uh of tarantino and i guess rodriguez that i'm like yeah, it's a bit, bit of a cheap cop out, and it you kind of wrote a really shitty film, and was like, but then at the end, vampires. <laughs> You're dividing our vampires fan base. You are dividing it, but I do see where Charlie. I trust Charlie's judgment. You're, you're quite a movie buff in of yourself, but I think it's again what it was at the time. Because when I hear the stories of my lot going to the cinema to watch this, and you think of the trailers that were releasing, it's just, it's just a normal Tarantino sort of style Rodriguez film, and then you go and you're like. 
the fuck there's vampires like that movement alone people aren't sitting there talking about the camera angles and the you know the sort of the i don't know whatever all the details of a film they're in for that storyline and for, for them for that time it punched man it, mm. it, it, it left the mark so that's why i'm like i get you now but i get them then so i kind of watched it with that star wars eyes of this must be good and i did enjoy it but it wasn't something that i feel the need to keep going back to it wasn't mm. my time yeah i mean i think the last time i saw from dust till dawn would have been a very long 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 time ago so yeah, i don't remember same. too much of the didn't movie dust i remember till like, a lot of the main bits didn't dust till dawn start off the whole spotlight on tarantino's uh foot fetish because obviously yes. with the scene with Sam Hayek so. and pouring the drink on her toes and it was like okay now from this point onwards every film is like there's a foot there's a toe and there's a... Tarantino does <laughs> does love his feet for sure he loves his feet oh, God. I I <laughs> <laughs> um did you have anything else on there because the one I had for after Pulp Fiction was just Jackie Brown no you, you, if yeah, you're so... probably right if if it's, if you're going directing directing yeah, uh, yeah. Right, writing. Writing. There's a film called The Four Rooms that came out in '95 that has four yes. directors and writers to it. I don't know how you managed that. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't watched that one. Tim Roth is in it as well. <laughs> Tim Roth's been in I'm every fucking Tarantino project. <laughs> Starring segment, the man from and Hollywood became abomination. Mm. I've not seen yeah. the forums. Have you guys seen the forums? No, nah, no, I, I didn't know. I don't know what it is. Oh yeah, because it shows it. So when I'm looking at the list of all the films he's associated with on Wikipedia, it will have a column to say director, writer, producer. Some of them are all yeses. Some of them are one or two yeses. So naturally, you've gone for his real films. His, his, his yeah, his. like his films, because he's said that he wants to direct ten films, and he's done nine so far. And it, well, the tenth one or the eleventh, he's going to retire. Like that was his oh, correct, sir. Yeah, which kind I didn't of sparked know that. Kind of the cool. whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it mm-hmm. sparked the whole kind of reason for one mm-hmm. me wanting to do this Tarantino podcast. Because at the it's moment, a good shout, right? he's, well done. he's done nine movies. He, the way he counts his nine movies to be is Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, uh, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill One and Two as one entity. So that's five. Yeah. Um, Death Proof, Inglorious Bastards, Django, The Hateful Eight, and once upon a time in Hollywood. So <laughs> nine, ten films. But, yeah, and he's got another one coming out in it says twenty twenty four, the movie critic. Yeah. And supposedly that's going to be Tarantino's last ever movie. After that, he says he wants to retire, which would be a very, very, very sad day for cinema when Tarantino hangs up. There, hangs there up will be hat. some there will be someone to fill that void. It may not be the same, but it will be our generation's Tarantino, I believe. It, it, it's just... Hopefully. Not that, that's a, a very hopefully. big shoe to fill. That's a very, well, very big shoe to fill. Let's hope. But uh, let's, let's not jump too ahead, man. I don't want to take away from all your research. All right. So, Jackie Brown, 1997. Um, you guys seen it? It was, it was pretty big. It's not one of my favourite Tarantino not movies, it. but... Um, so just really quickly, it's about a flight attendant with a criminal past who gets snapped by the ATF for smuggling. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty shit description. It doesn't really do the movie justice, but 
it's that's, still, that's not all it that is happened. quite intense. Spoiler alert. Yeah, no, that's not. That is definitely not all that happened. What kind of film is it? It's like a serious film, like a thriller type star thing. Wow, it's got a big cast in it. I it's think got Samuel it's Jackson, like a... Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Chris Tucker. It's Robert it's a Kimmel. big film. I've never watched yeah. it, but I I always heard it's such a big like it's 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 like got one of the more bigger cult followings as well of Jackie Brown. Um, yeah. But I'm oh, sorry, listeners. Junior in it. Yeah, it's got Robert De Niro, Chris, Chris Tucker. Yeah. Daphne DeVito, Michael oh, Keaton. It's on the watch list. This looks good. Mm-hmm. good it is a good film. Don't, don't come it back and cuss it, Charlie. Don't come back and be like, it was shit. Yeah, it watch this. Fucking shit. <laughs> I mean, if it helps to sway you, even Sam Jackson has said yeah. that this is one of his favourite Tarantino movies, Jackie yeah. Brown. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. I'm sold. I'm sold. Plays I'm sold. The, um, one of the drug dealers. But it is, it is a great film. It is a great film. Have you watched it, Rick? I have. No, he's just I watched it a, a while film. ago. <laughs> Rick has watched actually while, watched sure. every uh, Tarantino film just before doing this potty. It was like a sitting there like... Every <laughs> single one. Yes. It's so desensitised <laughs> right now. It's going to be like, yeah, listen, let me, motherfuckers. It's awesome. It's going like, to spray blood all over the place and just be like, welcome to the podcast. We'll move on to Kill Bill because something that we've all seen, right? And Kill Bill <laughs> is another... Fucking amazing film. Amazing. Yeah. Deep as well. One and two. Mm. One and two. First one came out in 2003. 2003. It's got, yeah, it's got this very kind of comic book graphic novel Mm. vibe to it brought to life. And um, yeah, again, it's got a very sort of specific Tarantino style with like the flair, the camera Mm. angles, the the drama, the the violence, all that kind of stuff. It's the violence was different, though, vividly different in Kill Bill than it was from the others, though, because, like, he had a very raw, real vibe to his blood and gore before. You know, sometimes it was a bit bit more bloody than it needed to be, but Kill Bill was, like, the first time I think I'd ever in cinema or anything seen someone's (laughs) head or limb get chopped off and then nothing happened and then just, you know, like a fountain, Mm -hmm. just, you know, like, full-on anime gore. And uh, yeah, I think that Kill Bill was definitely one of the first films I ever saw that had that that insane amount of blood. <laughs> yeah, spray. Yeah. yeah, but you think about like I think after Pop Fiction, what I would say for, as a recipient later on in life is it's one of the other films after Pop Fiction. It's become so visually iconic, like the T-shirts, the style, even her yellow jumpsuit inspired yeah. from Bruce Lee. Um, and like even their code names, like the bride. That's all she. She's the bride. That's it. You only find out her name at the end. Yeah. And the fact that he split the film into two, which was a first for him. Like it. it it's one of those. Even though his films are all classic in of itself, this is one of those like staple films, man. Because I think I feel like Kill Bill went a bit more than a cult classic. It became more like it kind of hit more the mainstream. Iconic, like very iconic. Yeah. 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 It was like one of the the building blocks for pop culture, for sure. Mm-hmm. Pop fiction. A bit like The Matrix, isn't it? How people would reference The Matrix yes. and that scene where everything yes. slows down. They kind of done the same with Kill Bill, like a mm-hmm. whole scene of just someone with a sword, like taking out everyone yeah. in a room and stuff, like very Kill Bill style. Indeed. Yeah, it's very... Yeah, no, I, some I of the scenes in this movie are like insane. Like some of the premises, like the whole crazy 88 the whole fucking yakuza with the the masks and everything, dude. That must that alone 
must have been like, how the fuck are we going to do this? 88 crazy fucking Japanese Yakuza soldiers with swords fighting yeah. this one chick in, in a bar. How the fuck are we going to do that? That's what it's makes it a... hard to to say for sure that another director will be able to sort of take that kind of, I don't know, that, that kind of, Kind of word. words <laughs> my words um you know that kind of status where you can say oh yeah that's definitely a film made by tarantino yeah. and it'll have that style oh, to that, it because yeah, yeah. they were solving a lot of problems like well not just just thinking up different ways to shoot things and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. film scenes uh action scenes and those kind of things yeah and uh, nowadays, it's pretty much left to CGI and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. back then it was kind of a lot more. You've got a problem, we have to physically think it out. There's, there was no computers or you machines. Have to get creative, to magically mm-hmm. create whatever it is that you want. It was like, but if I you think... want to do this, we have to build it or do yeah, something. Yeah, even for its time though, like if you want, if you're okay, pre CGI, you know, there was there was a method to certain things. Other films had figured it out before. So, it's, oh, you want to do a scene with. This type of camera angle, or the camera's going to be up here, and you're going to have the characters down here. Okay, cool. We know this mechanism. We've built it before. But if he's already doing things that haven't been done, it doesn't really matter what exists because he needs to fun- he figure out the function of it. Oh, we need this many combatants and this many fighters, this much blood, like the gallons of like pig's blood they use, or even the thing of like, oh, the Western sort of cinema boundaries of you can't have this much blood or gore. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Don't cut it out. Put it in black and white. Just yeah. made it more iconic. It just gave it more of a theme, but it was served the purpose at the time. And that's kind of paved the way for another easy, another director to be like, oh, we can't show this. Maybe we can cover it. Maybe we can cut from it. Maybe we can black and white it. Like that way of thinking, CGI or not, is just it's, it's just made it more iconic. Yeah. 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 He does seem like a problem solver. You know, you, you give him a big situation and then he kind of goes, fuck it, I don't care. I'm going to do it. Like, we'll, we'll get around it. You know, and then it's like, yeah, he'll just on the day kind of come up with something and be like, okay, we were going to do this. We're not allowed. So we're going to do this. And he'll be like, that's way worse. Yeah, but they haven't told us we can't do that. <laughs> so we're going to do this. Fuck it. Come on, man. He does seem I mean, like the, that kind the, of guy. the language he uses is alone, the blood and the gore alone. But come on, he's even thrown out the freaking N word. Like he's crossed lines that no other person director has done. Really speaking, mm-hmm. it's like it justifies it in such a way. And look, I'm I know we're not going to go into that spectrum. There's a thousands or hundreds of him of interviews of him, and now he's like blatantly. And I blame him. Just like when people ask him, like, how do you justify the violence in your movies? It's like go watch my other interviews. I'm not having this conversation again. Like I'm done. I've done this. I've justified it for years now. I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. I think that was that's kind of based well, on right? him as well. Like, I'm oh, sorry, go on, Rick. No, I was going to say, like, that's kind of the thing, like, nowadays with making films, everything has become so PC and political. Everything has yeah. to be, like, prim and proper, and you can't overstep your bounds too much in one way. Even if it's you know, the creative director and it's your movie and you're, t- you're telling a specific yeah, story it from does a specific depend. point of view. It, it does depend, like, because there are films that are. It's like it's like um Quantumania. I think that's like a PG twelve or thirteen or whatever it is. But they mm. say like dick so many times. Mm. 
and that's weird because that's Disney, but Disney won't do things like with blood and gore and stuff like that. Although they might do with Deadpool three. Yeah. So it's 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 really weird. There are lines, and sometimes they get a bit bent. <laughs> yeah. But it's hard. It's hard to tell these days. I think that's why he made. Does he develop his own movies through his own studio at this point, or does he still work through a, a separate, like an external studio? Hmm. I, I think wonder. he still has like specific studios that he works with. He works with, right? Own... Because I think yeah, it, he doesn't bend the rules; he just makes them. And he's in, in collaboration own... with that. Sorry, I just thought that oh. the studio is in collaboration with. Uh, it's the one. It's the one with the cup at the beginning of the film, isn't it? And then it just has the blood splatter go across it. That's the production studio. It's before most of its films. Like, it's just a cup, like a drinking tea. Uh, like, a tea I, cup. I know what you mean. It's and it's white, and then over. it just goes pfft, blood. And there's blood that splatters yeah. all over the white thing. Oh, hmm. okay, yeah. I can't remember the name of the production company, but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It literally just hit my head. Right. So I'm reading. In, it says a a band apart. So like a okay. rock band, like apart, and it's a band, band apart. Films was a production company founded by Tarantino. Michael Bondanovich and yeah, so but I don't know if it's still around, but basically he has created his own production company at least at one point. So he really was creative control, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. He's like the prince of movies, like princes in the artist, formerly known as Prince. (laughs) So I'm just getting back to Kill Bill. A little bit of a little bit of sax for you. According to Tarantino and Uma Thurman in the DVD documentary, the idea for doing Kill Bill began during the filming of Pulp Fiction back in 94. So in 94, they had Pulp Fiction, and then nine years later, they had the the idea was born back then, and then nine years later, we get Kill Bill. Uh, They were talking about what they wanted to do and the films they would kind of like to make. Tarantino was saying he wants to do like a 70s-style kung fu film. And Uma Thurman came up with the idea for the opening shot of like the beaten bride being shot down, and Tarantino loved it, and we got Kill Bill out of it, which is crazy. Nice. How how many years did you say they were thinking about? Nine years. So it's crazy how you could sit on something for like nearly a decade, yeah, and then produce it. Well, well, we'll get into the decade one a little bit later. But um, yeah, even some of the scenes in this film, like the whole Hattori Hanzo, which he goes back to get the sword, mm-hmm. and then um, like that whole thing was just fucking sick. Mm-hmm. With um, Sunny Chiba was so sick. So I love that scene. You're making me want to watch uh, it again, man. Dude, this is such a good film. This, this uh, the other scene, you know, where um, she stands, she first walks up into his basement and she sees all the swords, and he's like, um. Funny American girl likes to play with samurai swords. I like to play baseball. And he throws the baseball at her and she like slices it and chops it in half. Mm-hmm. That wasn't CG. That was real. That that was what? a real scene done by Uma Thurman's stunt double who literally sliced the baseball with that same sword in real time. Yeah. Fucking wow, insane. Wow, that's yeah. sick. I'm going to have to Fucking watch that clip insane. again. And Yeah, that's sick. <laughs> that's just a kind really of... Cool. Cinematography it's, that we won't yeah. and just talent, and that's the thing. Like someone with the actual talent to do that talent. was brought onto the the actual set to do it, you know. Rather than yeah, nowadays it would have just been an easy CG, whatever. But they actually got someone. That's so cool. That's something I didn't know. That's really cool. 
I mean, to be fair, this was what, 2003? So I think if they wanted to do that CG, they probably could have done it CG in 2003. But the fact that that was like a real scene and she really sliced the baseball that flew at her, top tier, legend. Mad. Mad. So a year later, 2004, we get the sequel, Kill Bill Volume 2, which rounded off Beatrix Kiddo's story. We've all seen two. Right. That is the one where she starts off with her buried, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 That's that's probably my favorite one, to be honest. I I do prefer watching the second one to the first, which is strange because I normally prefer the first movie in a franchise than the second or third. But um, yeah, the second one was great. Like the whole Pai Mei training sequence where she goes back to train with Pai Mei. Mm-hmm. And he's like teaching her like the all the little skills and the one inch punch. And the, oh my god, the one inch punch! Yeah, it? Um, it was what the, the three tap yeah, hard death, one the death well. blow. Death was. blow. Yeah, yeah. Death blow. Death punch. Death. Yeah, something death. Five. There you go. Five point palm exploding heart. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was way more advanced than we thought it was. Because the inch punch is how she gets out. Mm-hmm. And then the five po- the five point one is how she does it at the very end. But I mean, she takes some serious revenge in this film. Because mm-hmm. is it Dude, is it this one where she so much shit? Isn't this one where she wakes up out of the coma? That's the first one, though. Is that in the okay. first one she wakes up yeah. out of the coma? Mm-hmm. Okay, in cool. the hospital. Um, it's, it's all it's a bit. Where the guys are licking her face and shit. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's basically yeah. gonna maybe like sodomize her a little bit, and then she wakes mm. up. Thank God, but uh, it bites his tongue, didn't she? Bites yeah, off. fucking mad how I remember so much of these films, and I haven't seen them in over a decade. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That's crazy. But that's how iconic they are. Do you know yeah, the second like, one? If the, the, the first one and the the second one were they filmed like back to back, like Endgame? Back back. That's what or? I want to know. There was a, a brief break in between, but I don't think they were shot like straight one after the other. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, they were still relatively close by to each other. Yeah, I love this film. Speaking of the blood used in this film, one of the the special effects directors, Christopher Allen Nelson, revealed that over four hundred and fifty gallons of fake blood were used over those two movies. Wow, 450 Jesus. gallons of fake blood. A lot of blood. A lot of... Was it all corn syrup, I'm guessing? God, I mean, it was like, what's the, the mix they use? Like corn blood. syrup and lube or something? Huh? Pig's blood. I remember, Tar- I remember the Kill Bill films had a pig's blood in it. No way. That's they what I remember. Killed that many pigs. That's a lot of pigs. <laughs> That's a lot of pigs. And then I guess if you're feeding the staff, who can, you know, makes sense. I don't they think they, they killed the pigs to do it. I think they just probably took it on from other places that were already killing it for food oh, yeah, and yeah. other stuff. <laughs> I'm going to giggle it, though. I'm already on it. Go on. Remember the, the other animation scene that they had? I think it was with them. Um, this one or the first one? Where it's like they show Lucy Liu's character with, as the sniper, but it's all animated. And she's like a kid under the bed. Yes! Oh my god, I'm remembering that as well. Dude, that whole animation scene in the middle of a movie, I think that was one of the first times I'd seen something like that. Like, anime shown in a real kind of thing. Blockbuster movie, yeah. It was so sick. It wasn't pig's blood. 
It was it water okay. of some sort, yeah. Uh, How many gallons? Four hundred and fifty. Um, Four hundred and fifty gallons. That's mad. That's mad. <laughs> That's so crazy. So after Kill Bill Two, I mean, do, do you have guys have any thoughts? On I mean, Kill it's Bill an 2? incredible. Fi- I haven't seen a lot of these films so long, so I'm so sorry that there's not like an in-depth discussion because they deserve it. Mm-hmm. Every single one of these films does deserve it. But one, if we did it's get into every single one of them, this podcast would be long. And secondly, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just been a long time. He's been going for a while. I know, um, yeah. I know with Kill Bill 2, because a lot of the fans are really banging on, like, please make number three, please make number three. It's always rumoured that it's, it's, it's going to surface, and Tarantino's usually kind of said, no, like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. But they, I don't know if it was a fan thing, but they're kind of, like, theorised of, you know, there's the scene, I think, I'm pretty sure it's number two, where she goes, and she's finding that woman in her house, and they're smashing up the house, and then mm-hmm. the, the woman's daughter just comes That's in, awesome. and they all, like, hide the knives, and like, one. okay, hey, how are yeah. you doing? And she goes, and then she kind of kills her in a different way. The, the 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 fan theory was like, oh, make number three about that little girl growing up and coming after the bride for revenge because she kills her mum. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of the thread they wanted to pull. I remember hearing a lot. One thing, I, I another thing I will say from that I really did enjoy, apart from like the, the scene of her, like ripping up the freaking woman's eye, which was just horrific in of itself, and how she killed everyone after. It was like when she finally gets her daughter. And she's having that moment in the hotel room. They're sitting there watching cartoons. And then she just goes into the bathroom, closes the door, and just balls her eyes out, like cries. And I'm like, I don't blame you. Like, you've gone on this, like, almost comical, not funny, but, like, comic-style adventure of blood, gore, and revenge to get your daughter. Now you've got mm-hmm. it. And it was, like, the most human-grounded moment of, like, yeah, you would, man. You've actually got what you were looking for. And that is just nuts mm-hmm. rather than just clean and cut at the end. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just two random things that really kind of uh, I remember. Yeah, I mean, you went from like one of the first scenes of the first film where she kills um, the, the lady in the house, where she kills okay. her, and then her kid walks in. That's like one of the first scenes. She's the first one that she kills after she gets out of the hospital and she takes the pussy wagon, which, mm-hmm. fun fact, um, was actually Tarantino's car that he drove around <laughs> for like a year to promote was. Kill Bill 2. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah, that was like one of the first scenes, and then you jumped like the end of the second film. <laughs> After she kills Bill and she finally gets her revenge. Spoilers, I'm sure we've all seen it by this point. She kills Bill. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but the way she kills Bill is so sick. It's so good. Even the way he dies, like, I give him his juice, just like that step, step, boom, straight on the floor, and it's like, it's over. It's I don't remember like, him dying. Is that after she takes out all the ninjas in the room? Is that that one? And he like, kills him at his, um, at his trailer, doesn't he? Doesn't she? In his in, in his garden, in his back garden. In the garden. Yeah. So the crazy eighty-eight is in the fir- is at the end of the first movie. Right, that's the one. Um, the trailer is when she goes to kill Buck in his yes. trailer with, um, and then she rips out that woman's eye, and she's just lying on the floor. The one with the eye. eye patch who was like another student to the same sensei who kills her sensei originally. I'm even surprised I'm remembering this much. Jealous. Dude, yeah. honestly, this, these songs are so good. So fucking mm. good. There's so many layers. Okay. Moving on. Uh, after Kill Bill 2, Tarantino gets into a bit of like a weird time piece theme. All the, the rest of the films are all kind of like set around a specific points in history or certain events, mm-hmm. such mm-hmm. as 
the 2009 movie Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. which was another amazing film. Yeah. Have you seen it? The, the Nazi we, Stargard. We have. Oh, I, think, I think we've jumped over a film called Death Proof. Do we know it? I don't know it, but I'm just then saying. Fucking that. leave it. <laughs> No, 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 I'm saying it's got like there. 40 films, mate. How long do you want to talk about it? No, but he's a director, writer, and producer on it. I'm just saying I've never heard of it. I just didn't want to break the timeline. Don't oh. want to break the timeline. No, 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 no. you are right. You are right. You are right. There is it's a, about zombies as well. F proof. Is it? I, I, I don't know what I've you never known heard this. Is how they attack you? Yeah, I should have known that. You're right. I've never heard of this though. Death proof. <laughs> It was one of those films that kind of just lit under the radar. Fell under the radar. Quick. I mean, the fact that he's on a zombie film as well was freaking awesome. And the cast is just amazing. It's a zombie film we haven't watched. We need to. It's not even on this list. We don't mind find it. Death Proof. Yeah, it's really weird. It's not on the first page of um, Google. I don't know. It says 2007. Um, yeah. It's about a stuntman killing a woman with his car and mm-hmm. about another person fighting off a bunch of zombies fighting for their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't have to go, so we don't have to go into it. I've seen this film. Never even heard of it, mate. Never even heard of it. One, one for the list. But it is also Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez again. Yeah. So, mm. you know... We know what to expect. I'm expecting Dust Till Dawn vibes again. Yeah, big twist at the end. And it's got Rosario Dawson. Oh, fucking love Rosario Dawson. Oh, it looks promising. Yeah, Glorious Bastards. Um, yes. I've watched that one. Yeah. You, you have seen Inglorious Bastards? Yes. I watched it around, uh, literally probably around the time it came out. Nice. Boys, mm-hmm. you seen it? Same. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Yeah, Great yeah. film. It's been a while. This I think that's actually one of my favourite ones of him. Mm-hmm. Another classic kind of Tarantino, overly stylized, comedic, with like mixed, serious, intense, <coughs> mad scenes. The characters that they all had were great. Everyone's had like their own kind of distinct personality and everything. Mm-hmm. It just meshed so well. Like the 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 pure violence and grittiness of it. I remember one of the first scenes when um they capture a group of Nazis, like the actual bastards, mm. and um, they're trying to interrogate them. And Brad Pitt's like, you know, tell me, where are your people? Where are they, your people on this map? First guy doesn't tell him. He tries to run away. Guy gets shot. Brings up the next one. And then um, Eli Roth, one of the other, he, which is not the big director, but he comes yes. out with the bat. And the way he just swings at him the first time, and this guy just falls to the floor. It was just, it was too real. Yeah. It was just yeah. so, so good. fucking real. The sound it made and the way he just fell, and then he just kept swinging. It was like, oh, this is going to be one of these movies. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, 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 mm-hmm. cool. Was that the first time Brad Pitt was in a Tarantino movie as well? Because he kind of stuck around for yeah, I think a time so. in Hollywood as well. I got to see Brad Pitt in a completely different kind of light. Yeah. And a, mm-hmm. a Tarantino vision. Dude, it's so good. And Leonardo DiCaprio as well, right? Was this the first time Leo was in a thingy film? He was not. Wait, who? Hmm. Wait, am I getting a f- I'm getting a film confused with another film. What film is it where he fucking sets lights with a load of Nazis in a theatre <laughs> with the that's, blowtorch? That's, that's once, once upon a time. time. But he's acting we'll, we'll in the film. It. We'll get to it. 
Yeah, we'll get. Yeah, because we'll that to is a reference we'll to, to something, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a connection, yeah, but yeah. it's not. It's not set in World War Two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 it's understandable, I would say, but um, I think I remember, to my knowledge, people saying that this was Christoph Waltz's first exposure to the like the Western cinema, because they were looking for someone to be sort of soft but dangerous, approachable but scary, and I just, I mean, I love him as an actor as it is, but yeah, wow, what a role! Like when he comes in, and he's and obviously he's interviewing some of the people living in the house, and they've got obviously like Jewish people hiding under under the floorboards and it's just his conversation and they, they're just eating and he's just lightly talking and asking them questions. And I think he figures it out at the end, but that tension of just so the intense. conversation mm-hmm. and everyone sitting there like so sweating. Intense. I'm like, mate, mm-hmm. wow. Like, like that's a good actor. really well so written dialogue. It, it, that's what I mean. Like Tarantino doesn't, he doesn't need to rely on the outlandish scenes of violence. It's, it's, like a collaboration of all these little things and these mm-hmm. amazing actors that you've never seen or have broken out or that you've known like Brad Pitt, but they've just put him, put them in a perspective where you're like, Oh, I didn't ever think of you like this. Like mm-hmm. you've, you've got this in you, but uh, I mean, come on, man. Like you like Roth, fucking Michael Fassbender. Mm-hmm. It's a big, big cast. When normally when you, when you think of movies having, so many big big names the film is usually pretty shit as far as i've ever seen it like you can have all these big a-list names on a on a, on a title mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then it will you, doesn't mean that the movie's going to be good it's usually average it doesn't really always pay off this was the complete yeah. fucking opposite there were so many big names in this film and everyone was so fucking good Mm-hmm. Everyone had like a very either a big role or a small role, but they nailed it to perfection. It was yeah. so good, so so good. I've just remembered this. Yeah, I've just remembered how this one ends. <laughs> well, you've got oh, I, confused, I, I got there now. It's they very rewrite history, actually. man. They they yeah. get Hitler in a completely different yeah. way. They do spray everyone, don't they? Isn't it like a? It is something in the theater, isn't it? Because they're all watching yeah. a film, yeah. And then he, they, someone just comes out and guns them down. So yes. at the end at the end of the film there's like a very specific type of film that they use that's extremely flammable and the owner of the theater who was the child back in the day in the opening scene who escapes um christoph waltz colonel mm-hmm. hans Land- lander 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 mm-hmm. um, her movie theater and then she 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 gets her her partner to like stock all this this flammable film behind this the screen so that the Nazis can't see. Middle of the film, they're watching it, and then he sets it all alight. They trap them in the movie theater, and then mm-hmm. they got the bosses up top, and they're shooting down the rest, and the whole theater just burns down. But it is an insane ending. Yeah, that's it. Spoilers. Yeah. Called spoilers a bit late. But have you, there. Fraser? Have you watched this particular film? Because you've been a bit quiet. Yeah, a long time ago. I remember oh. it being advertised. Mm-hmm. I've literally seen it on bus stops and and buses and stuff like that. Yeah, and always thinking, why is it spelled B A S T E R D S? But it's 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 quite a. I'm not going to say probably the most visually iconic film of, of Tarantino's. Like it's not something people like will go to Comic Con or Halloween it sort of thing. But um, the 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 reinterpretation of history that was definitely something that I've not been exposed to. But the name was just interesting, Inglorious mm. Bastards. I know even the spelling, like you guys said, like it was just 
an interesting sound, interesting combination of words in my in my mind. I was like, oh, I'm kind of curious. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah. This was the first so, film of Tarantino's that I definitely felt the the story was amazing. Like you know, like how like the other ones, it was all about the the color, the cinematography, and then the big twist at the end and stuff. And you know, like things like that. And like Pulp Fiction, you know, the story is all over the place, but at the same time, it's like such a journey that you're like, wow, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, here? This yeah. was like the first time the story was like straightforward. It was there for you, but fucking clever and awesome at the same time. This was one of my favorite um, films for, for ages. I had this, I had that on DVD and everything. <laughs> yeah, we, we had the DVD as well. Yeah. He worked on the script. Tarantino worked on this script for almost a decade. Which probably explains oh. why. Wow, well, there you go. The story feels so full because mm. it's just a great film. So, Fraser, stop muting 2009. me. Keep muting me. <laughs> oh, can we meet Sam? Oh, I can't. <laughs> no, this is not a theme. New superpower. <laughs> yeah. In my room oh. now. <laughs> 2009 was Glorious Bastards. Three years yeah. later, we get another masterpiece. Django Unchained, uh, my favorite. 2012. Dude, again, I'm surely this film needs absolutely no introduction. Right? We've all seen it. You smell, Charlie. You smell. You're messaging me in the group chat saying you smell. Everyone's picking on me on Zoom. Mom! In, in the Zoom chat. <laughs> in the Zoom chat. It's Fraser muting me. Freaking Rick is trying to enlighten me and Charlie be like, you smell like the back of the class throwing fucking spitballs at me. Like, what are you doing? I'm trying to listen, man. Hey, Django Unchained. Django. Oh. Django. Here's a man Such a good film. And this man. is a, a remake. Loosely, yes. loosely based remake. Yes. The original Django is in this movie, though. Yes, he is. The original OG Django. He is yes. in this movie. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. For, for, for our two listeners who might be living under a rock, Django Unchained is about... is, is set in 1858, hence the, the timepiece period that Tarantino gets into. Um, it's about the US, <laughs> where, where the US slave trade is still a thing, and a German mm-hmm. bounty hunter by the name of Dr. King Schultz frees Django and takes him under his wing as they Amazing. journey to Mississippi to rescue Django's wife. Again, a very, very brief description of what actually yes. happens in this fucking film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this, I, my mind jumped it, but this would be uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's first Tarantino film. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Yes. There is Knocked it out of the fucking everything <laughs> to say about this film. Everything, every role, every scene. From I just want to like touch on one thing specifically because we're not going to touch it too deep. Is the soundtrack to this is one of my favorites again, and apart from having like two very famous Italian artists that have obviously been I've been enlightened to through Tanya, but also through my own favorites because I, I I like Eliza. Eliza's the Ancora key singer in this when they're in the snow. But also, um, and please pr- forgive my pronunciation, Ennio Mori- Morricone. And he's the guy that done the original, like, God. Yeah. Like the spaghetti westerns, man. The, the, um, oh my God, what's his name? My mind's gone blank. Come on, guys. The, the original spaghetti western actor who became a director. And he's Eastwood. Ben Eastwood. 
Clint Eastwood, thank you. Right, my dad loves those films. I was brought up on those films. He bought the box set. I've watched all of them, and they were like low budget, and he was the original artist, and now he's scored this mm-hmm. as one of the main artists for Tarantino. I mean, come on. Come on, man. I'm really excited about this film. I'm really excited. Just to say, Django is the only film that I've really enjoyed Jamie Foxx in. He is one of them actors for me. I think he's he's not a bad actor at all, but for some reason, the parts he plays actually annoy me a lot of the time. (laughs) In this film, he's so fucking good. It's like, oh no, he is an incredible actor. Well, you just get some really weird roles. Yes, it's true. You know, it's the kind of love it, love it or hate him kind of. Mm movies that he gets into yeah like electro is just one of them ones that throws you off him (laughs) i think electro was more bad writing than anything else for that specific character he was just not good at playing that character yeah it's a spider-man film though he's not the main character he's not going to get too much screen time he's just the bad guy right the angry i think i've only ever enjoyed him in a baby driver driver. and Django. Training day. Uh, no, and, and Django. Yeah. Mm. He, he has tons of good films. He has tons of good films. But getting back to Django, Django yeah. specifically, Tarantino stuff, the film in general, start okay. to finish, mate. This film, I've watched this mm. so many times, like Pulp Fiction. These are some of like my top tier Tarantino movies. Like if I had to put them in, in a list order, top three, probably Pulp Fiction, Django. And then Reservoir Dogs. You if have Pulp Fiction over Django. That's it. That's actually interesting. I guess it is like if it's the first kind of introduction to that world, like that kind of vibe. I guess it would yeah. be. It would. Yeah, I love place. Pulp Fiction. Love that film. Django's higher for me, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you though. It is still an amazing film. Django is Django probably, was oh, like Django is probably one of Jamie Foxx's top performances. It is. Yeah, I but think it is his top it film, isn't it, really? Yeah. But yeah, it was a iconic film, you know. And I think it like with these different timepieces that, that Tarantino's going into, I think it's just kind of broadening his his spectrum, really showing his ability. Mm-hmm. And he's done it he, he's done it with the previous films, but it's just getting more and more out there. And allowing him to take mm-hmm. more and more creative directions. So yeah, props to him. Like even the characters he was banger. creating have become like bigger in this because I feel more like complex, he had right? more complex, but was filling up more of a bigger role. Like the mm-hmm. biggest non-main character role, let's say, was apart from the Glorious Bastards, like Christopher Waltz. And in this one, every side or main character has got such a specific point. Fucking even Quentin Tarantino being the Australian like like slave sort of owner um samuel jackson's Dynamite character guy. like despicable guy but so well played uh, um dicaprio's the what the even the girl like kerry washington like it is this was this was one of the very few films that when i first got with tiny i was like we need to watch this film like if you need to know who i am this is one of those things that you just need and we sat and we watched it i just i love it my parents love this film like question, yeah every, every time you watch push <laughs> What's push? <laughs> For all our listeners, you, this is a this is a joke that's been going on since we've been about eighteen, 
and now we're about 30, 31, and oh. they haven't let it go. So Joke. thank you guys. Can we get back to Tarantino now? Push. No, we, push haven't watched, we haven't watched Push, okay? <laughs> but you're pushing me. I've been for years. We'll continue to for years. Okay. <laughs> it will never die. I refuse to let that die. It's so funny. <laughs> it's such a stupid joke, but it's so funny. Have you watched Push? What's Push? What's but push? I've never watched Push. <laughs> you said you wanted Tanya to know who you are. And I was like, that's a Django's a weird choice to explain who you are. I thought it would have been Push. Would have been the first you're going to. You know what phrase? Mute me. Mute me. <laughs> Throw me out of the fucking group. I don't want to be here anymore. It's going to go and watch Push. Wait for you to explain it. Wait for years. Years, mate. He's never yeah, told us about it. He's never heard of it. It's Chris Evans, okay? <laughs> okay, so back know. to Django. Wait, let's move on now. Anyway, <laughs> next film. 2012 Django. Yeah. I'm going to do a podcast on this film. You're going to have to listen. <laughs> you actually should. We'll just I really will. We'll just have our own yeah, conversation. <laughs> Amazing. Right, right so a bit of trivia for Django. You probably already know this. Um, as was one of the big ones, but the scene where um, Leonardo DiCaprio and they're all having dinner, and um, mm-hmm. he first finds out that you know Jamie Fox and um, Christopher Waltz are only there to try and get Django's wife back from Hilda. They're only they're only there Hilda. to get her back. And he's like, "Fuck you guys! You've been fucking me around this whole time." Smashes his hand on the table, and he actually cuts his hand. Like wasn't scripted, wasn't supposed to happen. I fully fucked up his hand; it was bleeding. And then, um, I think it was bandaged, but there was a certain point where he was like, "Can I rub the blood on your face?" No, he just did it, mate. He did it in that one take. She said, um, "What's her name?" Uh, Kerry Washington. Washington. Yeah, she said it in an interview. Like he did it. We noticed. He carried on, so we all kept in character. And then he literally wiped his own blood on her face mm. and like oh yeah shit. she was like shook <laughs> she didn't know what to do you can see it um, in her face when you watch that scene back you can literally see it in her face like she stops acting and she is just like what the fuck have you just done but she yeah. keeps it she keeps it in control that's either crazy or brilliant yeah. it's both it's, isn't it <laughs> it's crazy brilliant it's it's the character fucking moment so amazing. well because that's the point where the Mr. Candy, whatever, he, he drops the facade. The politeness, because the money, it all drops. And it just adds. That's what I mean. Like, every character has such a spotlight moment. Like, even the side character, they all have a moment where you're like, whoa. Like, they've, they've as an actor, well done. But just, wow. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if it was that same dinner scene. But during the filming of one of the dinner scenes... Leonardo DiCaprio reportedly he had to actually stop shooting the scene because he was having a, a difficult time using so many racial slurs. Yeah. When I he did yeah, yeah, it, Sam Jackson pulled him aside and was like, motherfucker, this is just another Tuesday for us. Get it together. <laughs> and then that was it. He just carried on with the movie. <laughs> Fuck it. You're a legend, Sam. Samuel Jackson. Yeah. So fucking He's... sick. Let's not overlook Samuel Jackson. What a fucking legend he is. Oh, he's so cool. I think he's he's been one of the OGs from Pulp Fiction to now to be yeah, yeah. frequent in his films. Mm. Yeah, was he in Kill Bill? Many... He was. No. He wasn't Kill Was Bill. he in Kill Bill? He was. What was he in Kill Bill? If you try and remember, but he was in Kill Bill. Not he's he not Bill. in it as like a major <laughs> role, but he is in it. 
Yeah, I think that, yeah, I did see him on the casting, but I just, yeah, I can't remember him I mean, in you know, it. You know the few scenes where it flashbacks to right, um, yeah, the wife in in the in the wedding chapel, and there's like the dude on the piano. That's Sam Jackson, kind oh, of narrating it. Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh my there god! Go. Look at him! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as he has, the has picture. Been his main ones then. So like, has he been all, in all nine so far? He's not been in all nine, no, but I think out of not Reservoir Dogs, all of the films, he's been bastards. in majority. I think he met and Sam Jackson after ones. Reservoir Dogs, which is why he wasn't in there. Mm. But, um, yeah, man. I love that he uses the same kind of cast in a lot yeah. of movies. Like Tim Roth is in there a lot. Michael Madsen's in there a lot. Sam Jackson's in there a lot. Christoph Waltz is kind of slowly becoming a staple in like the last two movies. Seems like it, yeah. Actor. Amazing actor. Yeah. Wouldn't you be pissed, yeah, if you were one of the other cast members <laughs> in one of these films and then Tarantino just kept bringing back the other guy? <laughs> You'd just be like, oh, all right, clearly didn't fucking like me then. He loved this guy. Been in like eight of his films. I've only been in the one. <laughs> he has said like the reason why he reuses the same cast is because, you know, he just gets on with these people and he keeps yeah, that's it. they're just friends they get on like they know how they work they, 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 they get know his vibe how... yeah like and they, it's just a good partnership and they make amazing who the hell wouldn't so... want to let alone work with people you get on with but when it's your own creative endeavor you don't want to make music make films or if i can draw a picture for people you don't like mm, if people exactly. share that vision and get you i would i would happily bring them and they they do it well they do it well. They, yeah. yeah, that's it. They are the talent, aren't they? They are the main talents from them films that you, you iconically remember. That he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're coming back. You're coming back. Although, Uma Thurman. Oh, yeah, no, she, of course yeah. she was in Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill. Yeah. yeah. Just Is it just those two? Yeah. She might have been in... She might have had a cameo somewhere. Might have popped up somewhere else. Oh, I think she did Maybe. cameo in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, didn't she? If I'm not that's mistaken. Yeah, I think she may have, but I don't... Don't quote me on that. She might we'll be in it as like a, a side character, maybe somewhere on the side, but I don't remember her actually being in it. In it. But I think oh, she's moving on. But anyway. Yeah, sorry, just Googling. Um, yeah, no, it is just those those technically three films, but two in his collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still a great two movies to be in for Tarantino. You've got your whole <clears throat> Colby one and two and Pulp Fiction, so... And you're guaranteed Especially as the, the main, as, as, as the main character as well. Exactly. Yeah. So that was Django 2012, set in 1858. Three years later, we get The Hateful Eight in 2015. We also, watched this together, Rick. As this was Tarantino's eighth movie, and we did. We did watch this together. I we sat watching, and watched we, this together. Wow, this it was, was a long ass film. Yeah. I it haven't seen definitely... it, the hateful, hateful Eight. Haven't seen it. I don't. I don't think you're gonna like it, mate. It's I think that's why I didn't long. watch it. <laughs> it's very, very long, and it is low paced for like the first yeah. hour or so. It's kind of like all set up and build up and everything, but then yeah. without giving too it much away, down. once shit kicks off, shit yeah. kicks off. It just. I mean, you can talk about it. It's fine. Full. It's been there is the um. I want to watch it as well. I will, yeah. I will watch it. I was just looking at that. A what version? Extended version. Chapters. Yeah. <laughs> Since you said I chapters, mean, the original movie is still <laughs> split into chapters. There are, like, you get title cards for, like, certain bits of the movie. Oh. Um, 
I don't know if that continues in like just more in the extended version. I don't know what the difference is between the movie release and the extended. They have ad breaks. I just know it to be longer. Ad <laughs> break. Ad break. <laughs> but um, yeah, okay, so fine. For Charlie, who hasn't seen it, no spoilers. This is set sometime after the Civil War in America between the North and the South, where, a bounty, where another bounty hunter, again, is transporting a dangerous gang leader named Daisy Domagu when they meet Major Marcus Warren, played by Sam Jackson, and they journey yep. through a vicious snowstorm where they have to take refuge in a nearby cabin where they encounter a host of nefarious characters <laughs> as they try to survive the night. Yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very one of those films, Chaz, where it's like, yeah, it's, it's like a very closed set. Like one room, like one room and a cast of people and just what happens yeah. in that one room is basic. Mm. Yeah. That does sound really interesting. Takes place in this cabin, yeah. But um, okay. yeah, it's one of those just... magnificent seven style films. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> yeah, this one better. It's a hate exactly. <laughs> a group of misfits band together. Oh, I'm I'm digging it. I'm digging it. You've sold it more than the trailers did. <laughs> I mean, so it, I is, honestly, it is. Listen. It is slow. Yeah. It is very slow at points. Like, understand it's not, it's not a high, it's not a high end. No, no, I'm just saying, like, because it's, it's very easy to kind of switch off from it. Like, I reckon if Rikesh wasn't there, to have someone to watch it with me, I would not have been as engaged. Okay. I'll language. watch it with right. Rikesh. Yeah. Watch, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. Watch it with Rikesh. Cool, cool. Rikesh, come around. No worries, mate. I got you. Hateful too. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> have you seen it phrase you've seen this yeah so it once i think it's it's yeah, hard it's when it's, it's it's yeah it's hard when those films have that slow burn like especially at the beginning it kind of it can really take away from the rest of it and then you're just like quick to you're you're you really want to move on to something else <laughs> yeah yeah, to be fair, I remember like the first hour or so of this movie, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, it's not really going anywhere. It's just kind of everyone sat talking for a while. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it, it lays up some some serious groundwork for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it is great. Um, I'll check out. Do you remember hearing about one of Tarantino's movies getting leaked online? The script got leaked online. The script, so. yeah. This was the movie the that it got leaked for. Oh, um, the hateful eight. It got well, a Who would leak and... a fucking script? That's so. That's such a dick thing to do. I don't know if they ever actually found out who it was, but after it got leaked online, Tarantino himself said he did not want to make the movie after it got leaked. Mm. However, yeah. after a brief reading of the script in LA, the cast was stunned and excited for the film, and Sam Jackson actually persuaded him to make the movie. Because he like, he really liked the script for it, so he it got made. Come on, motherfucker, make that film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you reckon Sam Jackson is literally Tarantino's hype man when it comes to like you know if he doubts himself on something, he just like pulls him aside and just gives him that little speech the same way he did with uh, DiCaprio. <laughs> calls him up in the middle Dude, of the night. He he yeah. could be the hype <laughs> man for anything. 
Just literally yeah. in my head, typing an essay, be like, come on, motherfucker, 100 more words. I'd be like, okay, okay. That's not bad, motherfucker. Honestly, man, this film was just great. So unexpected the way it ends from the way it starts. But um, mm-hmm. it's it's a very great watch, for sure. A great watch. We're the last and one. And that now, leads right? us to his last or his most current movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in 2019. I, I really like it this just film. before COVID hit. Sell it to me. Shut down. I, I have not watched this. This is the only Tarantino oh, Guys, this is a good one. This is a real good one. This is a good um, you did t- I remember you I remember you telling us it was a good film, but I have not watched this. This is something for me to watch. It, it, it's about an so, actor who's struggling and is got a stunt he's got like a stunt guy who's Brad Pitt. So it's Leonardo DiCaprio's the actor, Brad Pitt's the stunt guy. And it's based on the uh, Sharon Tate murder. I don't know if you ever mm-hmm. heard about the Sharon yeah. Tate murder when, yeah, like, um, what was it, Charles Munson or whatever his name was, that kind of cult um, went into the Hollywood Boulevard and went up her drive, went into a house and murdered the whole family. Um, but it's like a retelling, obviously, yeah. like the way he does it, of his retelling of history. I'll let Rick, I'll let Rick, Rick tell it, though, because he's probably got a little description. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got a little one, but a very, very brief one, but I was kind of getting into it with yours, so. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, you kind of nailed it. Um, it's set in 1969 in LA, where a faded television star by the name of Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and his stunt double and BFF, Cliff Booth, played by Brad Pitt, um, they're struggling to achieve and reignite the fame and stardom they once had in the final years of Golden's Holly- of Hollywood's golden age. Mm. Um, it is a bit of a weird one, because this is paced much much differently to every yeah. other Tarantino movie that he's made. Um, it, like you said, it's like a kind of a retelling of a specific set of stories, Sharon Tate being just one of them. Um, Sharon Tate's character actually played by... Fuck, why have I blanked on her name? Margot um, Robbie, wasn't it? Margot Margo Margo Robbie. Margot Robbie, yeah. Margot. Yeah, um, Margo. yeah like, her Margo. story is... Tied into it, you've got Rick and Cliff's side of the story is tied into it. There's a lot that goes on in this movie, and oh, yeah. again, it's like another slow kind of burner. You're kind of just watching a story People, yeah. unfold. There's not much that happens, but um, it's still a really well told story. Off at the end, and as so, per as per usual, it uh, kicks off for at the, the last end. 10 15 minutes when it goes full on Tarantino, and everything is just. It is very interesting. It is like I would personally say this has like it is it is like that slow burn, like build up, but it has the it has enough stuff in it in that build up that is still fun. Like there's a there's a Bruce Lee ca- like reference or cameo, I guess, and <laughs> they shit all over Bruce Lee, and it's it's so at first you're like, oh, why are they going to do that to Bruce? And then you think. Yeah, but this is Tarantino. It's not the same universe. Like, this is a different universe. But yeah, basically, Brad Pitt yeah, yeah. just fucks him up. <laughs> like, showing off that is such a good scene as six well, skills, yeah. and then Brad Pitt just, like, one punches him out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen that scene, actually. Yeah, it is, it's pretty sweet. But yeah, yeah it has I loads think, of little um, cool bits in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, that ta- I think that, that Bruce Lee scene was um one of the trailers, I think. Yeah. yeah. Briefly shown for one of the trailers for the for the movie. Um, yeah, man. Honestly, this, was, this was another good one. This was another good one. Yeah. Oh. I can't believe I'm the only one out of you, you two that have seen it. Like, out of us three. 
Price yeah, crazy. I thought, 2019, I thought we would have yeah. all seen it. Mm. It's, it's like a, a hike, watch. Charlie. It's, a, it's worth a watch. Where did you where did you watch it? I watched it on Blu-ray. Someone brought it around. I watched it on Blu-ray. <laughs> of course you got on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> All the best things are on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, no, things. I watched it on Blu-ray. I can't remember. I think maybe Damien or something. Yeah, but yeah, someone brought it around, and I just remember How? really enjoying it. I think I watched it alone as well, and really loved it. Is it? It's a two and a half hour yeah. film. Yeah, one of those things. I don't even I remember right. it being advertised or anything like that. Oh, I remember I mean, it being advertised. COVID times. It, it came out close it was to COVID the end times, of 2019, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah. Wow. So that's his roster up until. This next one coming out next year. The movie critic in 2024. Is it filming? It's got everyone in it. Like Samuel Jackson, Uma Thurman, Tim Roth. Yeah. Kurt Russell. No, I'm Leonardo DiCaprio. No, no. Are they in it? So the movie, the only names that they've mentioned is Jackson, DiCaprio, Roth, Waltz, and Brad Pitt. Wow. That is already a fucking. Oh, and and Tarantino, I imagine. Yeah, and Tarantino. Like those imagine, names, but... yeah, that already sounds. That's like what a good that's what Google's saying anyway. But uh, can we just say like little? What's what's our top three? I know we touched on it, but I've got mine in my head. Okay, top three. Uh, top three for me. I'm on number one. Pulp Fiction for sure. I, I mm-hmm. cannot even tell you how many times I've seen that movie. Django number two, and then Reservoir Dogs as my third. Top three Tarantino movies would be those three. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty fair. What about you guys? Um, oh, that's tough. Go on, Fraser, you go first because I'm still thinking. <laughs> um, yeah, it's probably got to be Django Unchained, mm-hmm, number mm-hmm. one, and then Count Kill Bill was one entity, shall we? Put that in yeah. number two, yeah, and then Pulp Fiction, yeah, very, very close. To yours, Fred, because I think I had to really think about. I think only because Kill Bill came out such a long time ago, and it was like that sort of like childhood memory mm-hmm. or younger memory. Kill Kill Bill number one, then Django, and then Pulp Fiction. It's a fair list. That's fair. Um, all right. Eric. So I'm I'm kind of I think Inglorious Bastards is probably the one that I remember enjoying the most. Mm. So I was saying Glorious Bastards number one. Oh, they're so tough. <laughs> it is it's so tough. That is another great <sighs> film. I mean, that's the thing. And then I see, like, and then I scroll a little bit, and I'm like, oh fuck yeah, I've got so many to consider. Um, all right, no, Kill Bill was. I mean, if you're counting one and two as, as a same movie, Kill Bill. Pff, I mean, that's got to be. I'm going to put that number one, and then I'm going to put Inglorious Bastards. Then I'm going to put Django. I'm probably oh, going to. Wow, that opinion will change every day of the week. <laughs> huh? Kill Bill, Inglorious Bastards, and Django. Bite. Yeah, oh, I don't know. Django and Inglorious Bastards is tough. <laughs> that that changes whenever. Whenever I've watched it, it will go back on top. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what about one, Once Upon fair. a Time? I thought you would have mentioned. It's great. Yeah. I, I really love Once Upon a Time, but it's not one of my favourites. I mean, I enjoyed it, and it's the most recent one I've watched, so it's the most fresh in my mind. Okay. But um, fair. Yeah, I think Inglorious yeah. Bastards actually was better. Like. Just because it was such an interesting storyline, but yeah, once, and yeah, once upon a time is a bit more. It's it's a bit silly and funny mm-hmm. at times, whereas Ingl- uh, Inglorious Bastards had that depth to it that 
kind of Nazi depth with the uh, what's his the, the guy who was playing Hitler was fucking insane. You know, it was so good. Well, not, yeah. Like you know, he just had his little moments. But yeah, like yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, man, I'm I'm thoroughly looking forward to the next one, the movie critic. Whenever it is eventually going to be out, I'm not too sure. Imagine yeah. it's a three-hour film. It's, it's... Is it? Yeah, it Imagine. might be like a, a two-parter or something like Kill Bill. <laughs> oh, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. Like, there's a lot of films that he's done that are like, as I said, kind of like that just don't hit me the right way. But I feel like that's the part of it that a lot of people love. So I feel like he must be in a very like tough situation to try and please everyone that likes his films because he's got such a variety of similar films, like similar, uh, not similar films, but you know what I mean? Like constructs. Similar kind of scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I think, um, I, I don't think Tarantino has ever really cared too much about pleasing the fans. I think he kind of just, at this point, he's just making what he wants to watch. The kind of films that he enjoys creating and um, mm. especially if this is going to be his last movie i think he will just have fun with it i don't i don't see it yeah. being as much of a let's please the fans let's give the fans everything they want kind of thing i think he would and rightly so should just make a film that he wants to make yeah when, i think it's a bit of a to do it. i think it i think it will be a bit of a passion project for him as well like I was just reading yeah. something that says uh, it will be about one of his favorite subjects, which is seventies movies, and yeah. it's not mm. going to be like a biopic, but a real person inspired him to make it. Interesting, oh. interesting. Mm, okay. So maybe another one of his alternate universes. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about okay. it. Have Have you guys just side note? Because I think it's worth mentioning. But have you guys ever read Popcorn by Ben Elton? No. no fantastic no. book please check it out it's so good especially Sirhan because it's like if you liked media and you know all the terminologies like close-up extreme close-up stuff like that but basically this is a film that was kind of based on Tarantino a little bit um because of the gory directions and stuff that these films were coming out and it's this director who is very very well known he's like he's just exactly like Quentin Tarantino like really well known for his like gory films but then there's this whole other side of it that's like you're encouraging violence blah 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 blah. meanwhile like so while he's dealing with all that meanwhile there's this uh insane couple that are going around just murdering people and blaming it on his movies and eventually they go to his house hold him hostage and put it on live tv and say this is how much your nation loves gore if everyone switches their TVs off and tunes off of this channel and it gets zero, it gets down to zero views, I'll, I'll let them all live. And the views just go up. It's, it's mm. a sick, it's such a good, but yeah, it's based on Ooh. like a, a fictional tale of Tarantino kind of thing. It's yeah, it's definitely worth it. That was like a Black Mirror episode. That sounds like amazing. That. Yeah. Oh, what's Very that? Black what, Mirror. Yeah, there was, no, there no, was it, one, it just... but it was, a, it was like, a, it was obviously like more about views and stuff. Uh, like for an online video i think it was oh black yeah. yeah yeah i think it was or or maybe yeah no black mirror i think it was black mirror or the orville maybe <laughs> one of those two or maybe it was a face of it or maybe it was no show <laughs> maybe oh, it was in my mind maybe i dreamed dream. <laughs> but uh yeah that sounds good but, it has. Mm. but yeah man um that's been 
the Tarantino podcast. I just wanted to go through a little bit, highlight some of his work, some of his amazing moments in his well career. Well done, Rakesh. Well done. It was, it was a really nice random topic that I we did not come in. I did not prepare myself for this, but uh, yeah, I think no, it's good, kind of especially like, leading on to the fact that he. Oh, it's delayed sound. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. You, you lag and just then you stop talking. Stop talking. I just, I just, I yeah, just no, went I just to check to if I pressed mute or not. I, I definitely did. <laughs> He's got it on hotkey. He just, if he taps the letter like S, it's just press. Shut up. <laughs> press, press the red button. Beep. <laughs> Push uh, the red button again. Yeah, like, you guys, you guys don't yeah, know how much I've loved you. Don't have anything so else. No, mate, that was that was good. It was unexpected, as Sirhan said. I wasn't expecting the director. Um, so yeah, that was fun. That was fun. I learned some yeah. stuff. Yeah, I got some nice. films to add, added to my list. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Especially because it's leading the last film. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, you watch it, watch it. So is Tarantino like your top tier? Your 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 very number one director. I mean, he, it's hard for me to like give my favorite top director of all time. But Tarantino is definitely up there. Yeah. He's like one of my favorite directors of all time. Like he just has a, a specific way with movies. It's just great. Mm, yeah. It's just great. It's just... Do you know, this has inspired me because yeah, it's true. Like I'm not a big like director fan favorite person, but like Tarantino is one of my favorites. But another favorite is like Edgar Wright. Oh yeah. And I would yeah. Like, yeah. that would be a that would be a cool one to do if we could even prep ourselves watching some of his because he's another one in his own class doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would say that Tarantino and probably Edgar Wright are the two that I can think of at the top of my head. Cool. Yeah. I mean you got Chris Nolan, you got yeah. so many Guy good Ritchie. directors out there. Guy Ritchie, so yeah, many, done fucking so hot. Many, yeah, Guy Ritchie. Yeah. So um, many good directors. No, wait, Edgar Wright did Hot Fuzz, didn't he? Is that a Hot Fuzz, Fuzz film? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Edgar Wright. Yeah, yeah. that's not a bad the, topic. The, the, Cornetto the, tri- the Cornetto trilogy. Cornetto trilogy, yeah. And then The World's End. I don't yeah, know if yeah, he did yeah. that one. Yeah, he did. He did that as well. He did. Baby Driver. Loved that film. Paul. Paul. Damn, he's done it. He's done it a lot of films. But uh, yeah. It's, it's not a good movie, man, for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah boys, no, that, that was all for me. Any closing thoughts on Tarantino from you guys? Uh, Is he Italian? The heritage. Interesting. Interesting question. The name, no, just the name. The name is so interesting in of itself. Yeah, I'm like, have, is he Italian? Gotta be a stage no, name, isn't it? That's gotta be a stage name. Actually. That's a good question. Is that his real name? What is Quentin Tarantino's? Oh no, no. <laughs> an Italian. His dad was Italian. He's an Italian American. Actor and musician, yeah, yeah. Quinton Jerome Tarantino. Jerome. And Jerome is such a random one yeah. to throw in there, isn't it? Quinton Jerome Tarantino. Yeah, no, it's weird. The Jerome just throw off. I can't believe that's his name. He was always destined for good things. Really, mm-hmm. you can't. How could you fuck up? <laughs> like you can't be working at fucking Best Buy or, or Woolworths or saying it. Like Mr. Tarantino. <laughs> Come to my office, Quinton to aisle nine. Yeah, Quinton <laughs> mopping up some sick on the floor. Anyway, yeah, um, thank you, Rakesh. That was yeah, a very boys. good support. Thank you, thank you Rick. No worries. Sign us out. So, that yeah, another Red Jacks on podcast by Bow. us, Bow. me, Bow. Rick, Bow. Bow. me, Charlie.
us, Fraser. And me, Sirhan. Bow, bow, bow. I'm doing the signing out. And we are the Red Jacks. Oh.